Well, my part of this service now is to just lift up the Lord Jesus Christ um, in this short little time and hope that we see something of him so we can carry on getting through uh, this life together. I've titled it, Take a Bow to Jesus, which is the invitation for us all. Perhaps for the first time, if you're listening and you've never bowed down to King Jesus, maybe this morning you'll do that. Perhaps for the millionth time, we uh, reconnect a vision with the living God today and we carry on going. We have a glorious King of this church and the worldwide church. The one who watches over all of us and what we're going to do today and tomorrow However you woke up and whatever state you're in, the one who watches over us is worthy of bowing to. We're safe with King Jesus. Um, to people defeated by sin and guilt or just battered by life and you're so tired, um, welcome to Jesus who can handle all of that for us. I was looking again this week at Michelangelo's picture, the creation of Adam, where man's arm is reaching out to God's and he's touching back. I was thinking, actually, there's loads of people today who don't even have the strength to lift an arm to go halfway. But actually, the more I read the Bible, I'm not sure we even can. We're so weak and messed up and uh, frail. This Jesus goes all the way in to meet us where we're at, in the pit, to lie there with us and raise us up today. And I've never had an older brother, uh, but I do hear in, that in school they were handy to have around. When the brother was around, he lifted you up and you could take on the world. Well, the Scriptures call Jesus our elder brother for those who are in his family. He's also not to be trifled with, like in the story today from Sue. On the last day, every knee will bow to Jesus. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will bow, and it's a terrifying thing if you're not at peace with Him. So I'm calling everyone to bow in awe of a Savior, not an enemy, Jesus and I just want to show that in chapter 18 of John's Gospel. Chapter 18 is preceded by chapter 17. And um, he's just done his high priestly prayer. Although he's always praying, isn't he? He's got that spirit of prayer. But then Jesus crosses a valley with a brook. And interesting for the Old Testament fans, this is the king of Israel crossing a brook in to Samuel, King David, who was the king of Israel, crossed this same brook with the little uh, valley when he was rejected as king during a time of civil war in 2 Samuel chapter 15. People were crying that their king was leaving. But the big difference between David in the Old Testament Jesus here is David escaped his enemies. This Jesus doesn't. This king didn't. Um, here's a question for you. Do you have somewhere where you like to go to escape from the world? Like a little secret place somewhere, maybe in your house. Um, the living God does that. If you're like, oh, I just love this little time to myself to reflect and pray or whatever it is. God gets that. 
Because he does it. And Jesus, the living God, heads to a garden. And that was his go-to place just past this valley. He loves it there. If anybody's mad at me and wants to get me, and um, quite a regular occurrence actually, but how do you find me? I'm either here or in the manse where everybody knows I live, or in Teresa's cafe there. It's one or three places. Or you could send an email, because you've got my email address. You know how to find me. Well, Jesus, people knew where to find him. He had a little spot. The problem was, guess who also knew where this king liked to go? Now, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. And I just want you to imagine what the King of Kings goes through here, if you can for a minute. Imagine people are after you. And they, they don't come by themselves. They come with a legion of soldiers down Reader Penai Road to get you in your favorite place. And the buildings are shaking and they're shouting, and they've got torches, and their noises filling the air, and they're coming for just you. Imagine that. Children, are you scared about that thought? That's a scary one, isn't it? If you wanted to catch me, you'd just send one person, possibly even a small child. I'm not the prop forward that I used to be in Lanish in high school. Um, but why so many for this one man? That's strange, isn't it? Um, I think it's like between 200 and 1,000 troops, the Greek term here used to describe. 1,000 people, a mob to get Jesus. I think there's pure hatred driving this, driving this one. Like satanic type darkness, such is the level that they want to murder the Son of God. You know when people stew over everything and nothing... And it just explodes out of all proportion. Uh, we just want to get rid of that person. Interesting thought. I don't think there's anybody being more loved or hatred or hated in world history than the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you follow him today, which I'm calling people to, you'll be hated by people as well. It's the same today, which is really strange because I see some celebrities and the way they live and the way they talk about women and life. They're quite monstrous, but people follow them and no one minds. They're all loved. But this Jesus, who was the best man who ever lived, there's just pure satanic hatred towards him. And in verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? And he hears them coming. And he goes to them. He doesn't run. And then comes the reply. Who are you seeking? Are you Jesus? Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am. That's the best version of that. In this one it says, I am he. And he speaks, this king that I'm calling us to bow to. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that word, those words, I am, are from Exodus chapter 3 and the burning bush, where Jesus was the angel of the Lord there, 
And he identified himself to Moses, who was petrified and had to take his sandals off because he was in the, in the presence of the living God. And he says, I am who I am. Same words. Now, let me take a moment to just maybe share things you already know. But the Hebrew word for I am who I am, if you squash that together, that description of God, that revelation of himself, you squash it down, you get the word Yahweh. That's what it is. I am. That's the name of God. And if you read an English Bible, it's translated as the Lord. That's the Yahweh I am. And it's used about 7,000 times in just the Old Testament. And mostly it's about the Son of God. Sometimes it's about the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Sometimes all in the same verse in Genesis that happens. But that's what he's doing here. Jesus peels back the curtains ever so slightly about who he really is. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. When you woke up today, I am. The one who watches over you, who never slumbers, I am. He never sleeps. I am. The friend that you need more than any other today. I am. That's the verse. The guilty. I am. Come to me with that stuff. Now these days, people reinvent themselves a lot. Depending on their situation or the pressures from society. When I was in Tonaruin. I wanted to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I reinvented myself towards that goal as best as I could. But the one here that I'm calling us all to bow down to in this part of Cardiff and anyone listening, this I am is self-defined. And he's the only one really who ever has done that and been consistent. I read a quote about it. The only one who can determine what he does or who he is, is himself, this I am. He defines himself. I am who I am. Through all the storms of life with its emptiness, Yahweh, the One, Jesus, whose existence is eternal, as Sue said, solid and always the same, even during COVID. He is the rock that all of us can trust when we feel tossed about. And he just says, I am. And then you get verse 6. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Take a bow or fall back to Jesus. Every knee will bow. The great old hymn writers, I'm a bit of an old hymn uh, fan person, Jesus, the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and mortals prostrate fall, and devils fear and fly. So back to the question. Everyone will take a bow. Devils do. Humans will. Everyone will. I'll tell you what gets me really sad sometimes. When I hear little children who are copying the adults in their lives blaspheme in the name of Jesus like a swear word, it cuts me. I'm not like angry at them because they're copying, but I do think, be careful with that name. 
He's no sap. Devils fear and fly at this king's name. The strongest men of the most feared army in Rome buckle, fall, and crumble when he peels just a little bit of who he is. That's our elder brother, if we're in his family. And here's an interesting one as we get sort of towards the last verse. Why do they fall? Have you ever seen that X-Men movie and there's the one called Storm who blusters people over with like wind? Well, that's not happening here. Why do they fall over? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we will all take a bow one day. It's spiritual and physical. It's an experience that all of us are going to face one day. Some of us have already. It varies in intensity. You may have not fallen over. Maybe one day we will. Um, but it's significant to us all. I'll explain why they fall with another question. What happens when you lift a rock off insects who love the dark? They run. They're exposed by the light. They reel away. And just coming back to this text. Judas, the soldiers, the authorities of the religious institution at the time, have decided it's good to get rid of the light. And when you get rid of the Lord God as the ruler, you're left in darkness because he's light. And what happens when planet Earth doesn't bow to King Jesus and his light? They come up with their own rules of what's light. And it's always dark. They come up with their own politics and ethics and way to live. The Roman laws at the time. Life would just be better without Jesus. And what happens here is they're suddenly confronted by God's standard of glory. Not their own. He reveals himself and everybody's struck and exposed and revealed to be sinners. Do you fear God? That is a question that Cardiff needs to regularly ask itself and it would be much better off if it did. 200 to 1,000 soldiers. You don't bring that many people unless deep down you know this man is God, but you just hate him. You want him gone. You want yourself to be Lord. And at that moment, their darkness is overwhelmed by the shining power and glory of the Son of God. The man standing before them made them, lent them their breath that they're using to attack him. And in a split second of showing who he is, they fall. And every baptized, Jesus-centered church member alive today is safe in the arms of this same Jesus. That's who's watching over us. And we need fear no fall. This Jesus is the star breather. And he just shows them slightly who he is. When he speaks, people listen. I was watching someone talk about stars this week. I've seen it a few times, but I don't know if you know this. There's a star called Musefi. 
Okay, let me tell you about Musefi, created by the star breather Jesus. It's 3,000 light years away. I'm not sure if you've been. If the, and apparently, the speaker said, he, he tried to break it down, the power of this star. If the earth were a golf ball, then Musefi would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges. Now, I'm aware that that's not a local bridge here. So I've got some better illustrations to show the power. Okay. Nearly three quadrillion planet Earths would fit inside the one star called Musifi. Three quadrillion. Now, the speaker was aware that our brains usually stop after sort of a million. We can't go much bigger than that grasping things. So he broke it down further. Listen to this. Um, a quadrillion. Right, okay. A million seconds back was about how many days ago? You figure that out, and I'll have a sip of water. Sorry. Dave just said 11 and a half, and the answer is 12. That's the most unbelievable answer I've ever had in church, Dave. That is amazing. Wow. He's signing autographs on the door on the way out, if you want. That's incredible. A million seconds. <laughs> Sue can't believe No, Sue can believe it. She's like, that's nothing for Dave. Anyway, we're slightly off track here because I'm just bowled over by um, the answer. But 12 days ago is about a million seconds. Okay, all right, Dave, hold on. I've got another one. Um, uh, oh, you've completely thrown me. I'm just digesting what's happened here. Um, right, okay, all right. A billion seconds ago was when? Well, when the speaker gave the talk. When was, which was fairly recent, when was a billion seconds ago? So it's pretty much the same answer. <laughs> All right, I'll help you out. Billion seconds ago, May 1975. That's a billion seconds. We'll take it back to May 1975. A trillion seconds ago was 2700 BC. That's a trillion seconds. A quadrillion quadrillion seconds goes back, if you could, 30 million years. And the Apostle Paul said that the star breather of Musefi is the Lord Jesus Christ. And three quadrillion Earths could fit inside this star. And in this second, they saw their hatred of him their sin and his cosmic authority. As Colossians 1 said, the man standing before them made them too. And they've picked a fight with him. You're probably thinking, well, they're stupid. But actually, if you're not a Christian, you're doing the same this morning. And I'm calling you to repent and have faith in this king. Why do people pick a fight with Jesus, the living God? I'll tell you why, because the power of sin is overwhelmingly strong. It's blinding. It makes you feel invin invincible. And it's handing us to be enemies of Jesus. We think we're okay and we're not. It's tricking us to think that following someone else is a better way of life. It's not. And I want to end by telling you some stunning news. And these things are written that we may have life. 
it's subtle, but it's important to end on in verse 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out to them. He went forward to lay down his life for sinners. He bowed to their evil plans so that they could be forgiven one day and bow to him. He is not some pathetic martyr and we say, oh, didums. He stepped up to rescue the very people who hate him. There was a conference in heaven. Who's going to defeat this blinding power of sin and death one day? The angels backed off, according to scripture. And up went the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll do it. Such is my love for them. There will be no peace for humanity unless I free their hearts and wills from the power of sin, death, and decay. And in John chapter 15, they try to give him a crown. He hides away. In John chapter 18, they give him a cross and he steps up. And that is where we bow our knee and we say, this God is like no other. See, we, we don't bow because he's the star breather. We bow because he died for us at Calvary. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we say thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.